You're listening to the Tunoto Podcast, presented by your own Kevin Lynch. Here we go! All right, welcome back to another episode of the Tenuto Podcast here, where we are becoming our full value as teachers. Every week, I sit down with one of the best in the field. And this week, as you just heard, we have Brandon Budabal. He's going to be studying at West Virginia next year in his grad school days. He's going to be going on to pursue a master's degree in trombone performance, and he's going to work with the West Virginia marching band and athletic bands. So you'll hear from him a little bit later. I just finished up my school year in Virginia, and I'm, I'm really, really happy with the way things went. I finished up. We had a concert on Monday, and then we finished up on Friday. So the year went great. I learned so much from everybody who's come on the podcast, and now we've got the summer to keep learning and keep reaching out to different people. Um, And me and Brandon go way back, uh, Penn State days. He was a year younger than me. We both played trombone in the trombone studio with Mark Lusk, who is a big name that you're going to hear on this podcast a lot. But really, really excited to have Brandon on. And the reason we've got him is because right now, I left school on Friday, drove 12 hours up to northern Michigan, and I'm working at Interlochen for the week. Brandon is here, and he's actually right next to me. We're presenting this live from Interlochen, Michigan. Brandon Budaba, how you doing? Good, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I'm a huge fan and advocate. So Brandon just finished up his student teaching, and my first question for you is... What were some of the things that went well for you during student teaching? Well, I was privileged to have two fantastic co-ops with me uh, during the course of the semester. My first half of the semester was spent with um, John Gabriel at Hershey Middle School uh, as a middle school general music teacher. Going into that student teaching placement, I hadn't worked with middle schoolers or general music that much. So um, Mr. Gabriel let me jump right in had me doing all kinds of things, working with uh, Yamaha keyboard system, guitar, which I have only taken two classes of before, and working on even some Native American music, which was uh, new material for me as well. And then working with high school band, again, I had a a very good co-op, Jonathan Pinkerton, who helped me through everything. He gave me very specific feedback. And in turn, I was able to get feedback from my students as well, which helped me grow and had a variable, very valuable experience. Cool. So you were a trombone player in college. I assume you want to go on to play instrumental uh, or teach instrumental band. You know, I would love to, if possible, teach high school band, but there's a whole world I don't know out there. I would be privileged to work with any age group or any domain of music, really. Um, you, you said you did, like, guitar, and that was something that you had never done before. Guitar was definitely something I didn't do before. The thing that was very special about middle school music, you have every student in the building. Now, when I was there, I only saw um, ha- or a quarter of the students because I was there for a short period of time. But just the fact that non-band kids, non-orchestra kids, non-chorus kids, the the kids that need music in a non-traditional sense was in this class. And getting to reach out to these kids with projects on GarageBand, 
Um, they all have iPads, so we did a lot of learning uh, with texture and timbre. It was very interesting for non quote unquote non musicians. I mean, everybody's a musician if yeah. you think about it, but getting to work with all students in the building and reaching out to them, meeting them where they're at. That's awesome. So, I mean, for you, did you feel like you were prepared to student teach? Definitely prepared to student teach. Uh, Penn State's faculty prepared us uh, throughout, throughout our entire four years there. We start our first semester, as you know, uh, with Dr. Ann Clements in early childhood. <laughs> yeah. uh, shout out, I hope she's listening. She I'm gonna, definitely she'll listen. listen if she's, she, an, avid she's listener. an avid listener. Okay. <laughs> Um, shout out to her uh, with her, with an early childhood uh, um, teaching music class. So we Penn State prepares us from the start. Uh, we went into it full force, and I'm very happy that the process went so smoothly. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your decision to go to grad school, because uh, I'm sure you you were weighing the two options, right? You had the option to teach, and maybe the option to move on and, and pursue trombone a little bit more. Tell me about the thought process there. What were you thinking when you decided to go to grad school? You know, I never thought I would go to grad school. I just didn't think that would be an option. I always just wanted to go out and teach. Both my parents are music teachers. I have a brother and sister-in-law that are also music teachers as well. And I and it, it's been a privilege to watch them teach and work with students, and that's what I wanted to do. And I, I still want to do that eventually. Yeah. Um, but Mark Lusk, as you mentioned before, really pushed me very hard to pr pursue a, or keep master's degree as an option. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't go along with him at first because, again, for my whole life, I wanted to be a music teacher. But suddenly I started to realize that I need to be good at my craft in order for my students to be good at my craft. So the next two years, I really want to hone in on my skills that have been starting to develop at Penn State and also to build around my, over, my overall musicianship, uh, working on secondary instruments, working on my conducting, piano skills, because that went to the side table during the last <laughs> two years. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Dr. Schaefer's not listening. <laughs> um, so, so the, these next two years are really to focus on my musicianship in order to help other students, my future students, yeah. build a better understanding I of really musicianship. I like that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, there's no right answer. Right. People are successful either way. But for you, I think that's really, really cool. So you chose West Virginia. West Virginia. And people who listen to this podcast know that my dream job is mm -hmm. going to be like what you're doing, yeah. where you're working with athletic bands, and it's a, it's a mixture of sports and music, which is something I think is really, really cool. Um, but why did you choose West Virginia? Why did you apply there? I mean, what about it appealed to you as a grad school? So going into this grad school process, I didn't really know what yeah. was out there. So yeah. thankfully, uh, Mark Lusk helped me out. Um, he, he suggested that I apply to West Virginia uh, University in Morgantown, which is, uh, if you don't know where that is, that's just an hour south of Pittsburgh about, um, just beyond the border, actually. So make a nice trip up to the symphony <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> um, but so I, I applied to West Virginia University. I applied to University of Maryland, University of Delaware, and uh, Peabody Conservatory. And I was privileged enough to get into all the schools, but I wanted to 
figure out which one would be the good match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were certain schools that I would go to coming out a better trombone player. There are certain schools I would come out being a better overall musician or a better teacher. And ultimately, when I received a phone call about this opportunity, possible at first it was only a tentative possibility for a marching band assistantship. Um, actually, it's really an overall band's assistantship at West Virginia University. I almost said yes right on the phone call because that is right down my alley, working yeah. with yeah. a collegiate group um, and working with the marching band, too. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really pumped about that. Yeah, awesome. And you said that you're, you want to go to West Virginia to work on, to keep working on your musicianship, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any goals? I mean, was, for me, when I went out to teach, mm-hmm. Mark Lusk had told me um, one of my weaknesses was my musical vocabulary. So mm-hmm. that's something that I had spent, been spending a lot of time on this year is, is working on my vocabulary so I could explain the music better to my students. Is there something that you are trying to work on as a musician? The funny thing is, Mark has actually said that to me as well. So, I mean, student teaching was, uh, I I tried to work as much as I could on my musical back. And it's never over. The Mm -hmm. the job's Mm -hmm. never over. But I think the biggest thing for me is rhythm. Okay. I think, and I know Mark gets on us all the time about rhythm, and I think um, his students are okay at rhythm, um, but he's, Mark's always pushing us to be, uh, the master, the king at rhythm, to yeah. own rhythm. Yeah. So if I can get myself to be rhythmical in everything I do, especially on the trombone, then my conducting will have the rhythm, my secondary instruments will have rhythm, mm-hmm. my thought process will have rhythm. Yeah. You know, everything, I'll just man. be rhythmical. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think that's one thing. And it, it's a very small thing, but if I can make that my goal, mm-hmm. it's one goal to have. Yeah, and, and that's that's... That's awesome. That's something for me as a first-year teacher, especially at the middle school level, I think I did a really good job of where I was modeling or mm-hmm. teaching rhythm. It solidifies you as, as someone your students can trust. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I thought was a real strength for me my first year teaching. Sure. What, what for you during your student teaching did you think, like, yeah, I nailed that. That went really well. Okay, I'm going to think on this one. Yeah, think on it. Think on it. Um, really well. I mean, there's a lot of things, I guess, that went really well. I do want to throw in eventually, like, I got a lot of feedback and stuff from my students. Yeah, like talk I to up, me about, like, the feedback you got. Okay. Did you do any, did you do any like, evaluations from your students? Did they, like, do any reports yeah. on how you did? Yeah, I mean, I really try my best to be receptive to feedback. Yeah. Um, so specifically in my secondary band placement um, with Jonathan Pinkerton at Hershey High School, I really made an effort to get as much feedback from students. So from day one, I made a little shoebox that oh, nice. um, was Mr. B's, because uh, I guess booter ball is a little too hard. Yeah. <laughs> but Mr. B's... Oh, that's cool. Uh, Mr. B's... A suggestion box and I set a stack of note cards and you know it was great because I would get students that would say you know you're, you're doing a great job or um, have a great day or something like yeah, that but then yeah. students would say small things like um, it's kind of hard to read your conducting when you have your fingers pointed together or don't let the flutes 
um, or don't stop right before the flutes come in at this part because yeah. I do it every rehearsal. <laughs> and it's those things that you would never pick up on. And I mean, I also recorded myself, so I picked up on some stuff. Yeah. But I want to know what the students are thinking and seeing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beyond that, I would, I had a self-evaluation at the end of the semester. My last day I handed to them um, with what I can still work on. And those are added into my goals for the next two years and for a lifetime, really. But so I, I tried every effort to know what my students were thinking. And I, they knew that I was a student, too, and that mm-hmm. they could be open to telling me anything, really. Yeah, and I think reflection is, is super important mm-hmm. as a teacher because when you're recording yourself, I mean, you can see so many things that you just didn't even pick up on exactly. while you were teaching. And that, that was huge for me this year, too. That's really cool. One, one other thing that went really well, you asked earlier, um, was music theory. I love oh. music theory. And so I was really hoping that my placement would have a, a music theory component to it. And luckily, I was able to do two sections. And uh, my co-op let me jump right in pretty much the first or second day with taking his music AP music theory classes and teaching them about harmony, melody, melodic procedures, and sight singing every day. So that was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Wow, that's really cool. We played some great repertoire, too, in his ensembles. Um, Hershey High School has um, some of the best ensembles I have worked with, and we played um, a piece, David Gillingham's Crossover, if you heard it, mm-hmm. and my co-op reached out to me on that one and asked me, hey, I want you to conduct this if you would like, but I'm going to pull you from it if, like, I don't think it's going well. And yeah. I guess it went pretty well because he nice. never pulled me from it. Um, Sweet. So I, it was it was a grade five piece or something, and they the students nailed it. They, yeah. they were questionable at it first. Uh-huh. And I, I read something on Facebook earlier today where it was something like, the, the less you like the piece at the beginning, the more you like it at the end. And that really stuck with me, and I immediately thought of crossover because the students weren't a fan of it at the beginning, but by the end, they absolutely killed it and nailed it, and it was it was great. Yeah, and that's that's from you for I, to I guess. keep them enjoying <laughs> enjoying it. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. So, you were telling me before the interview that there were some things that you tried some like I don't know experimental lessons or whatever that you tried and some went well and some didn't uh, did you want to talk at all about those yeah so there were a couple things that um, were thrown out there as ideas uh-huh. when we were in capstone at Penn State and obviously we get tons of ideas at Penn State but not every one of them are going to apply to every single specific situation so I did um, some sort of teacher developed material um, for one of the pieces, um, Abracadabra, Frank Tickelli's Abracadabra, mm-hmm. um, which was a new piece to me, a pretty new piece in general, I believe. And I did a rhythm, rhythm sheet so that all the students would be playing the same rhythm. And I think this will work in a lot of situations, but I think the way I went about it um, with clapping and speaking the rhythms and just having it laid out on paper, it, it just didn't really work. And you know, I reflected on it, thought how I would change it for the next time. One thing I would change is not having it written down. 
Okay. Just verbally giving it okay. to the students because they just were getting all these papers from me and mm-hmm. it was just too much. <laughs> and I like things written down. Yeah. So it yeah. just felt natural to me, but not natural to them. Sure. So that that's one specific thing that was kind of a bummer. There were a couple things, uh, projects in general music that I thought looked great and sounded great from the beginning, but it, it took only a few students absolutely fell in love with it. So, I mean, that's what student teaching is about, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I know that there are some still pre-service listeners to this podcast, and just know that you're going to try some things, and it's just simply not going to work, and you have to be okay with that. You yeah. live. You yep. live and learn. So, And you learn, and you, you learn, learn how to make it better. Thing. I mean, the thing is, if you try something and it doesn't work, it's, it's how are you going to make the adjustment? Or, right. I mean, is it going to work? If it's possible, make an adjustment, and, and you can make it work. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so we're both here at Interlock, and this is my third summer here, but it's your first. So thanks to you. Yeah. Yeah, you were the first person that really mentioned Interlock to me. So I truly believe that it's a magical place. The yes. students here are absolutely amazing. I, I was just standing in front of them this morning. There's like 300 students in the we call it the bowl, and they all sit there. And they all they all listen, mm-hmm. and they like don't talk mm-hmm. to each other, and they're just like some of the best kids in the world, and we have the best staff. Um, what's been your favorite part about teaching or or counseling here so far? I think my favorite part is because I know so little people. I mean, coming into this, I really only knew you, uh-huh. and I was able to be my <laughs> obnoxious self again <laughs> um, yes. and just going out it I mean I I got counselor of the day award yesterday just for like I guess I, being I, you, I, I, I wake up in the morning and um, my campers probably think I'm crazy for just like being just crazy right from the morning until the sun goes down I mean, it wears you out, but, but like, it They love it, and, like, that's camp, dude. <laughs> it that's is. awesome. It is, and the kids join in on it, too. Uh-huh. They're, and it's it's so magical, magical to come in here or see them come in here knowing no one, mm-hmm. and within a day, they're all talking to each other, playing duets. I was trying to sleep in my cabin the other day and was woken by a oboe octet. <laughs> how many and I'm not complaining that was oh. awesome I went out and listened to them how many yeah. where else can you hear an oboe octet playing some Bach <laughs> I don't know man only at interlocking I it's, it's, it's truly a special place I mean the the staff is great um, it's so well organized and just being able to work with I think there's 50 some counselors that come mm-hmm. from across the country and maybe even Across the world, I don't yeah. know if there's any. I mean, other... Brandon's from that's Bolivia. That's true. Yeah, that's Second true. Second person interviewed on the podcast. That's Brandon right. Sullivan. There's two of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of, I can't go by Brandon at camp. <laughs> I have to go by my last name, which is Booterball, which is, I I just realized is apparently a very hard name. Um, I kids don't believe me when I say that my last name. I have to show them my name tag. Kevin. <laughs> His interlocking name is K-Mac. Mm-hmm. Can, can you... I'm interviewing okay, you now. Inter- yeah, uh, fun. K- K-Mac, can you, can you tell <laughs> us, uh, your listeners, right. um, uh, where you came up with the name K-Mac or how you, how sure. you got that name? Yeah, so there's two Kevins here. Okay. Um, one wears a bandana all the time, mm-hmm. so they call him Bandana Kevin. But I wanted to differentiate myself a little bit more because I didn't want to be Kevin number two. 
So my middle name is Mackenzie. Oh, okay. And like, when you say, like Tracy McGrady, who's mm-hmm. a basketball player, it makes me feel cool to be like a Mac. Okay. So I was just like, call me K Mac. I mean, you're cool to begin with. Yeah, so like so that I mean, name just adds a little bit. <laughs> Kevin K Mac here is the we play this game called Roof Ball. He he kills it at Roof Ball. Uh, we're working on it. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. You're right. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah I'm, I'm actually really good at roof ball. <laughs> um, so, all right, man. I have one more question I ask everybody. And for me, this is a cool question because, like, I got to watch you. I mean, I'm only a year older mm-hmm. than you, but, like, I got to watch sure. you come through Penn State. And you, you're all grown up. Now you got the beard going. Um, <laughs> so, think, think back to the beginning of this year, right? It's senior year. Mm-hmm. You're coming into it knowing you've got one year left. If you could give yourself one piece of advice going into your senior year of college, because a lot of people listening to this are juniors at Penn State. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of juniors who are listening to this. What kind of advice would you give yourself? Learn your secondary instruments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but going along with that, get to know the program that you're going to be working with. Most programs, most schools, you find out your student teaching placement at either the spring semester before or the beginning of the fall semester before your student teaching. And email the teachers. Ask if you can observe a day. Um, Get to know the program, the students you'll be working with. If you'll be teaching all lessons or if you'll be teaching piano, guitar, and then take classes, get lessons on the things you will be doing. It's just going to make it so much easier and then allow for time during actual student teaching mm-hmm. to be going above and beyond. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think one of the things that could help me could have helped me was um, being more competent with my secondary instruments. Yeah. Because um, I ended up spending um, a little bit of time during student teaching working on that myself. Yeah, and I actually did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where I would stay late and I would just work on my secondaries. But just if you can go into it confident mm-hmm. like you if you can be confident enough to play them in front of your students and not be afraid right. I mean that's what you want going into student teaching and that's something that took me took me a while especially for woodwinds but eventually towards the end I was getting there I took secondary lessons a few from oh, my, nice. my students yeah. they and they liked it because they knew I was prone to yeah. messing up and so they and it was shows they got still learning. They got to yeah. practice their teaching skills. Yeah. And these were future music teachers. Right. So. Right, man. That's mm. cool. That's really cool. All right. It's time for the oh, rapid my fire favorite session. Favorite part. Because it's not very rapid <laughs> half of the time. But that's it's, okay. Dude, this is that's okay. Be... <laughs> this is dude, I every time I listen to this, I'm thinking of my answers. Yeah. And that I would just rapid fire them off. <laughs> All right. Well, this is your time. Okay. Don't ask anything too hard. I might, dude. Okay. I'm bracing myself. Here we go. Okay. Rapid fire starts now. What is your dream vacation? My dream vacation is to uh, (laughs) uh, probably to Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, Um, that's very rapid of you. Just, was that fast enough? Yeah, that was good. Okay. Um, (laughs) I I just, like, love the culture. can we ask that question again? <laughs> I want to change the answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. I mean, the, that's the first thing. Okay. Fair right. enough. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Brandon, what's one quote that you live your life by? <laughs> <laughs> Did you write one down? 
I write quotes down all the time. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, half of them are actually from your podcast. Really? Yeah. I have to say, the quote I've been thinking about recently a lot, uh, it's, it's argue for your own limitations, and you get to own them. So argue for what you're weak at and like be an advocate, be proactive about that and, and you will eventually get to own them. Yeah. Um, I was ju- just recently at uh, a Con Selmer Institute in mm-hmm. Indiana yeah. and yeah. I was telling you about that Talking with about uh, Dr. Tim uh, running the show there. It was, it's my second year there. Great. Recommend it to everybody. Um, I think you've actually mentioned it before on your podcast, um, Maybe. a couple of other guests, but one of the presenters there said, Find that one thing that you're weak at and go after it until you're, you're quote-unquote, finished. Yeah. And then find the next one thing. That's so it, So that's man. argue for the limitation. There's a quote that I like to – it's called make your weaknesses your strengths. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Right? Just find what you're not good at and get good at go it. Go after them. Yeah. Like for me, roof ball. I, I wasn't good at it at the beginning of camp, and now I'm not too bad. I won a game no. today. Yeah, we can play later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Brandon, tell me about your morning routine during student teaching. What did you do to get ready for school? So I was uh, Brett Slifer's roommate, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we were, you know, we were best friends now after that. And so we would have our morning routine set up where we would have an alarm set for 530. Now, every morning? Uh, yeah, okay. at the start. Now, yeah. by the end of the semester, it went like 5.50. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, we both wake up. I would get in the shower while he ate breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, he jumped in the shower. I ate breakfast. Go out the door at the same time around 6.30. I would uh, listen to the Elvis Duran show on the way to school. And the morning zoo. Yep. And, yeah. and on the way home, it was your podcast. Yeah, but on Tuesdays, on Tuesdays. But... Um, so get to school, get to school around uh, 7, 10 about, stand out in the hallway for a little bit, uh, talking, engaging with the students before the co-ops came. Um, and then once the co-ops came, I met with uh, either Mr. Gabriel or Mr. Pinkerton for, for a few minutes. And first rehearsal started at 7.36 or something like that. So it was, it's an early start for the day. Um, but... But once, once, but once you wake up and you know what you're looking forward to that day, I was singing the music in my head, and mm-hmm. so it went, it went by fast. I couldn't wait to get to school. Yeah. Really couldn't. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, here's a question for you. Would you rather go hiking for a day or go to the beach for the day? What do you do at the beach? Just chill? What do you do at the beach? I mean... You can pick. Build sand. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can have your best friends at either one. Okay. I think I would go hiking. Yeah. I really think I would go hiking. Um, You're an outdoorsman. I'm an outdoorsman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm here. And so, you know, backpacking with food and cooking over the campfire, that would be awesome with some friends, I think. Yeah. And, And then we can end the hiking experience at a beach. Sure. So... Both. Cool. All right, dude. Here's my last question for okay. you. Last question of the whole interview, and this is something I've never done before. Okay. But uh, So we're going to play a game called Mount Rushmore, where you give me your top four of something, like Mount Rushmore. Okay. Okay. What is your Mount Rushmore of band instruments to model on? That's not trombone. French horn. That's number one. Oh, uh, 
Four for each one. Okay. Um, clarinet. Okay. Trumpet. Yep. And saxophone. Done. Done. Four. Brandon. In that order. That was perfect. Was it? Thank you for an amazing interview. Thank you, Kevin. I'm so glad to have you on. We will have you on again. Oh, it's, it's I can't wait to hear. I mean, West Virginia is going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. All right, and that was our interview with Brandon. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's going to do great things at West Virginia. I'm really lucky that we had him here first before he gets famous for being a world-renowned music educator. Um, I'm going to be putting out interviews throughout the summer. There's a lot of music teachers here at Interlochen, so I'll have them pretty much saved from this week. Um, but I want you guys to keep listening and, and to keep growing over the summer just as I will be. So I'll definitely see you next week. Have a great, great summer. <laughs>